Welcome to the official, official first episode of the Popcast Cafe podcast. It's me, Kavya, your host, and I am so excited that you're all here. So, um, I have actually been waiting to do this episode for quite a while now. I have been waiting for this to come out just to do this episode. I thought it would be the perfect way to open up the podcast and kind of give you guys a feel of what this is going to be like in the future so now that it's finally out we can get this rolling and as you can tell by the title of this episode we are going to be talking about the very highly anticipated season two of the hit netflix show outer banks so i'm going to still preface this even though i think it goes without saying this episode will contain spoilers I am going to be talking about the characters, the ships, the plot, my predictions, and my overall opinions, so just putting that out there, I will be discussing all of these things at length and in detail, so if you haven't already seen season two of Outer Banks or Outer Banks as a whole, I highly recommend that you guys go do that before the summer ends. This is very much a summer show, and I think this is the most perfect time to be watching it if you're watching it, like, this is the time, guys. This is the time if you're watching it. So go do that and then come back um, and then we can discuss and you can come listen to my episode after that so we can discuss and see where we agree, where we disagree. It's all fun. And if you have already seen it, wow, that was a season, like very intense, which we of course are going to get into. So my history with Outer Banks I watched it last year when it came out. Obviously, we all know it came out during quarantine. It was a smash hit, number one on Netflix in the U.S. for so long, and I'm sure in many, many other locations as well. Um, it was a big deal, very popular. So I like to pride myself in saying that I actually watched it before it got popular. Um, I watched it the day it came out because my friend um, started it that morning, and she, we were texting around midday, and she was like, you need to check out this show, you would love it, and I was looking for something short to binge at the time, it was only 10 episodes, and I was like, yes, let me do it, so I binged it super fast, and then watched it with my mom directly after, and made it my entire personality for, like, a month, at least, (laughs) and I think that's what a lot of people were doing, I mean, it completely blew up on TikTok, people who don't even watch TV were watching Outer Banks, because they were just looking for things to binge, I don't think this show could have come out at a better time, it really, really, really was everything that the show came out at the time that it did, because it obviously was a very good marketing move, came out at the best possible point, and obviously that made it a complete success, which of course I'm happy for because then we got the season two and I already know we got the season three in the bag. I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point that that's what's going to happen. And, and I mean, at least I hope. No, <laughs> I don't even need to hope because it's happening. It's definitely, definitely happening. But um, yeah, so I was obviously a super big fan. I was listening to those Spotify uh, Pogue Life playlists like pretty much every other kid. Um, now that I look back on it, I was like, why? <laughs> what was <laughs> what was I even doing? But it was all fun. It was part of the Outer Banks craze. And I definitely see that we are now sliding back into it because I'm definitely back in my Pogue phase and it's all over my For You page again and all of my friends on Twitter are talking about it. So it's definitely very, very popular and very fun. So let's start talking about season two. 
So I'm going to go character by character and kind of give my opinions on these characters and if I want to talk about any specific plot point. So I included characters here that I found the most relevant, um, as well as characters that I just wanted to talk about because there is a character here that I specifically wrote in my notes was irrelevant this season, but I still wanted to talk about this character, so they're still listed here. So let's get right into it. So starting with, of course, our main character, John B. So John B began the season basically exactly how the last one left off, which tangent I really, really liked that they picked up the season right after. No time jumps, no weird anything. We just pick up exactly where we left off, which was great because we left off at the perfect spot. But I guess that just led this all up to be a lot more high stakes right from the beginning. So John B's in the Bahamas, um, and he is a fugitive, um, as we all know. And he's basically on the run because... He's wanted in OBX because he's a quote-unquote criminal because he quote-unquote killed Sheriff Peterkin, which we all know wasn't the case. If you watch season one, we know that didn't happen. But he's framed for it. He's on the run. He's also looking for the gold, which he knows is in the Bahamas. The big gold that we've been talking about all of season one. So John B to me has always been a pretty flat character. Um, I don't have too much to say on John B. He's always just been there. John B for me is kind of just the character that I like only in relation to other characters. I like his dynamic with the other Pogues more than I like him as a character. So his placement in the show is important to me because I like his relationship with other characters. But he as a character is... Pretty flat, not very interesting, but I guess flat characters always have the best relationships with other characters because everyone can bounce off of them. Or maybe that's not really the case. Maybe I'm just... I don't even know. But to me, John B has just always been there. And same kind of applied this season, although this season I probably felt significantly more bad for him because obviously he was framed for something he didn't even do. Everybody was just all over him all season. I definitely did feel bad, but still remains same opinion john b was just there so now let's talk about my princess sarah cameron so i've made this very clear sarah cameron is one of my favorite characters on outer banks um i absolutely loved her this season oh my god girl could not catch a break she was completely all over the place so she also with john b started the season on the run in the Bahamas. She was also all over the place. Then she got shot at. Then she thought that her father just committed suicide, like blew himself up on a boat. But obviously we found out that, um, that Sarah, um, was also having this internal thing with herself that she knows, obviously. Ward is a bad guy. He's not someone that I should care if, he dies, like, you know, he's done all these ter terrible things to my boyfriend, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, that's still my dad. And obviously, I'm going to feel some kind of emotion when he dies. And so obviously, she had that. And then, of course, she was almost murdered by her brother. And then when we find out that Ward Cameron's actually alive, she's been kidnapped and drugged by her stepmom. And then her dad almost tries to kill her. So she really was just, I mean... I think, if anything, she probably got the best plot this season. Um, her plots, to me, were consistently the most interesting, probably along with Pope's uh, plot this season, but we'll get into Pope later. But I always, I just thought that she had the best 
thing going for she was definitely the most interesting character this season which I absolutely loved because like I said she's one of my favorite characters so I loved to see that um and I loved just everything about it so now let's talk about my other favorite character and that's of course JJ uh, very much fan favorite <laughs> so JJ um I mean he was amazing this season. I didn't even really think that my opinion on JJ would change at all, and it didn't. He was great last season, and he was great this season. Um, I think that he still probably has, I think, if anything, so scratch what I said about John B. I think, if anything, JJ has the best dynamic with every single other character in the Pogues. JJ and John B., JJ and Pope, JJ and Key, and then even JJ and Sarah, even though they probably have, like, the more limited scenes together, although I'm hoping they start to get more scenes together, because I, I would love if they became closer and closer friends, but, um, I think he has the best dynamic with everybody else, which makes him one of the most enjoyable characters to watch. He obviously has the best one-liners, so all good things from JJ there. The only thing about JJ this season that was a little bit questionable was his plan to get John B out of this prison cell. So John B, he's in the prison cell, he's been, you know, I guess caught at this point, caught, and um, he's there. And JJ's basically like, hey, let's just pretend you have appendicitis, and what you have to do is just put some soap on your face so they think that, and basically you can leave this prison. And I was just like, JJ, I don't think that's how it works. And obviously this plan end up, ends up backfiring. But if there was one good thing that came out of this, it's that John B. put soap on his face. Because we all know that after John B. and Sarah's whole thing in the Bahamas, they needed a shower. I mean, they were... Ugh, it was disgusting. But if anything... We'll get into this whole showering matter later. If anything, they needed to be even more dirty than what they were, and they were dirty. So now let's talk about my final favorite character in my holy trinity after Sarah and JJ. It's Pope. So I think of anybody, Pope carried this season. He, um, it was, it was so great to see him step up completely. Like, last season, I feel like in some ways, Pope was kind of pushed to the back burner, but I'm so glad that he very much had his time to shine this season. Obviously, I really liked it because he was one of my favorite characters as well. Um, the only thing is, it took them all way too long to put together that Denmark Tanny was related to Pope. I mean, I was catching on to this way before any of them were. So I was like, come on, guys, come on, let's figure it out and move on. But I'm glad that they finally did, obviously. They had to. Um, but Pope was great this season. I thought he was definitely the shining star, and I think he definitely stepped up. Um, so everything about Pope was great this season. So now let's talk about the slightly more controversial character, well, one of the many controversial characters, Kiara. So I say controversial just because um, I see a lot of mixed opinions on her. I see a lot of people who like her, um, you know, on TikTok. And then on the flip side of it, a lot of my mutuals on Twitter don't really seem to like her as much. So my thing with Kiara... I really, really liked her in the first season. I thought she was cool. I know a lot of people also didn't like her in the first season because they thought she had too much of the I'm not like the other girls attitude, which is definitely true, but I was still okay with it. I thought she was pretty cool, but 
this season, um, I still liked her. So there we go. Put it out there. I do still like Kiara. But there were several times this season that she got on my nerves. So I'm going to quickly talk about that. Time number one is the time that pretty much everyone is talking about. And that was when, in episode two, when, um, you know, Gavin and Ward are together and they're having their little dispute and basically all the secrets are coming out, the beans are being spilled completely, and Pope is getting this footage on camera, and everything is going well, and then Kiara yells, murderers, murderers, and god, so they all start having to run at this point, and in the process of running, JJ trips or something like that, and he ends up stepping on Pope's camera, and then at the end of all this, after the cops come, and they have this whole argument with the cops, she has the audacity to blame this whole situation on JJ, which to me was so frustrating, because I was like, girl, what are you doing? I mean, she completely got on my nerves that, in that scene, Another one that comes to mind is with her parents. So I know on Outer Banks, you're not really supposed to take the parents' side on anything. And in this Kiara versus her parents' situation, I do see both sides of it. I think her parents trying to send her off to boarding school was definitely a bit extreme. I mean, they probably could have tried to work out a compromise, but her parents don't seem to be nearly as bad as some of the other parents on this show, so I don't think that they are as crazy, and I think that if they were going to the extreme of trying to send her to boarding school, they probably had some kind of discussion earlier of a way they wanted to compromise this that didn't work, but obviously we didn't see that, so who knows if that happened or not, but on Key's side of it, it did really frustrate me a lot of the ways that she was acting. So I get it. Like, these are your friends. These are your people. But I think that the whole emphasis on her being a pogue this season was a bit much, which is what was kind of getting on my nerves. I mean, I felt like she definitely still had one of the better parent situations, but still made it seem like they were the worst parents in the world. Now, I could be kind of overthinking that, but for me, that was something that did kind of bother me a little bit but I mean it wasn't too big of a deal but it did end up happening twice they had this same argument twice where she was like I'm a pogue whether you like it or not and I was just kind of like okay girl we get it um I thought Sarah's um kind of fights about being a pogue seemed a lot more natural versus key half the time seemed like she wanted to piss her parents off who were definitely you know didn't seem like the worst people. I mean, maybe they are, but from what we've seen, they're still, like, pretty decent. I mean, they acted pretty normal for parents who think their daughter is hanging out with these criminals and these bad people because, I mean, that's what they think. And they're definitely not perfect parents by any means, but there was a part of me that did feel bad for them this season um, and was slightly irritated by some of Kiara's actions. However, like I said, I did still like her overall. I mean, she was fine. She didn't really have her own distinct plot this season. She was kind of just um, used as support for other characters, like with her weird thing with Pope and everything like that, and then um, building a dynamic between her and Sarah and everything. So uh, her main her main plot this season probably was with her parents, I think, besides the fact that she was also, you know, helping them with the treasure hunt. So, for the most part, she was okay. It was just those certain moments where she did get on my nerves. And I know I'm not alone in that because I know that a lot of people have also expressed that they felt the same way. But hopefully, um, 
she kind of <laughs> becomes better again next season. Alright, so let's move on to uh, <laughs> controversial character number two, and then of, of course, Sarah Cameron's brother, Rafe Cameron. Oh god, I've one word is needed to describe what Rafe needs. That's just therapy. He needs therapy. I mean, I don't think it could be any more obvious. I mean, I don't hate Rafe in any way. I think that a lot of everything that he's doing is obviously based on severe trauma that he has. In season one, we did see Rafe be calm in certain scenes here and there. I mean, he actually had friends in season one. He was friends with Topper and Kels, but this season... I mean, pretty much completely friendless, stressed in every situation, not smiling for even a second. I mean, there's obviously a lot going on here. And Rose, of course, points this out multiple, or not multiple, but a couple times, which is still a lot for the short period of time that we still see all these characters. She points out more than once that Rafe has always um, expressed these tendencies and there's always been something wrong there. And Rafe himself says to his father, that he needs help and it's just a serious cry for help and a small part of me can't help but just feel a little bit bad but at the end of the day Rafe is still a complete psychopath so at this point I'm not rooting for Rafe in any way I mean obviously he's been a terrible person ever since we first met him he was racist last season he tried to drown Sarah this season he at this point has no redeemable qualities and while I do see that he obviously is dealing with a lot of stuff and I do believe that he should get help that doesn't in any way make him a good person at all so I think all this Rafe obsession I mean I get it like Drew Starkey is attractive, um, but the character needs a lot of help before he can get any kind of redeemable qualities, because at this point, he has none. I mean, I still do hope he gets the help that he needs, because he clearly does need it, but there is nothing good about this character at this point, although I do believe that he's the most, probably one of the most intriguing characters this season. So let's talk about the other psychopath, and that is Ward Cameron, who is obviously Sarah and Rafe's father. So Ward is a different kind of psychopath. I mean, there I mentioned with Rafe that there was an itty-bitty, teeny, tiny part of me that does feel a little bit bad, but with Ward, I don't have even an ounce of that. There is not a small part of me that feels bad. I think there's two different kinds of villains in my eyes. There's the villains that you're kind of like yeah, cool, be a villain, do your thing, it's kind of, like, fun to watch them, and then there's the villains that are straight up annoying, and it's like, get off of my screen, and that's Ward for me, I mean, there was not even a tiny part of it that was enjoyable to watch him, he annoyed me every time he was on the screen, and it was, like, at the point where I was just, like, get him off my screen, he's so annoying, I mean, genuinely the worst character, in my opinion, um, and I just think he's awful on every single front. There's no redeemable qualities, and I don't think there's anything that the writers can do to make him have any of those qualities. I think he's completely too far gone, and it's just never coming back now. And I'm still waiting for Ward to actually die. Like, I got, I mean, obviously I felt terrible for Sarah, but, I mean, we were all excited when we thought Ward died. When we found out he was alive, I was like, oh, are we serious? Like, I do not want to see any more of this guy. So now let's talk about Topper. 
Okay. Oh, God. Topper is the character I mentioned earlier when I said that. Irrelevant. So when Topper ends up saving Sarah um, from when Rafe is trying to drown her, I actually screamed because Topper had all of two scenes before that. One of the scenes was like a very minor scene and the second scene he was like in the scene, but he wasn't actually speaking or doing anything of relevance. He was completely irrelevant this season and his entire plot revolved around still being obsessed with Sarah. Um, I think that I don't even know what's up with him. He seemed to always be at the right place at the right time this season. I don't know what was going on there, but it was definitely, I mean, I guess applause for him because he saved Sarah. I mean, Sarah's one of my favorites, so I guess that's a good thing that he saved her, but he's still a loser. Um, The scene where um, he was like hugging Sarah and he gives John B that look, I just couldn't help but feel embarrassed for him because I was like, that's, they're married. They're literally married and you think that, yeah, no. I mean, Topper and Sarah, that relationship is so far gone at this point. It's just, it's done and, um, you know, he obviously still has a little bit of hope that something will happen between them, but I definitely think that that plot is gone. It's very much out of the picture, which is weird because my initial prediction of what Topper was going to be doing this season was um, become a Pogue, and I don't think I was alone in that. I thought, I'm pretty sure most people thought that Topper was going to be a Pogue after last season when he ends up helping John B. and Sarah in the lighthouse after he pretty much put himself on the line. We pretty much, we saw like a huge amount of just character development within that one scene, but then this season he kind of just went back and forth, and it was all Sarah related, and he he definitely didn't become a Pogue. Like, Cleo, who only got to interact with JJ, Pope, and Kiara, so the other three of the Pogues, um, for about all of 20 minutes in the finale, she became a Pogue faster than Topper did. So, I don't know. I really don't see this happening. And Topper's entire character, to me, is based around being a kook and being rich, so I just don't see him ever slumming it with the pogues. I just don't see it happening, but who knows, maybe that is something that will happen in season three. So now let's talk about Carla Limbry. So I thought she definitely stirred the pot this season. Um, She was a very interesting addition that we're obviously all still filled with questions about. So we first hear of her when she sends Pope this letter saying that she can clear John B's name from killing Sheriff Peterkin, of course. So Pope's obviously like, oh, I've got to go see what this is about. Obviously, these Pogues will do anything for each other. And she says that she wants a key. And obviously, Pope does not know what this key is at this time because he doesn't know that he's related to Denmark Tanny, etc. at this point in time. Um, and she is pretty much willing to do anything she can to get her hands on it. And Carla Limbry, I you know, nobody really knows, I think, within the fandom how to feel about her at this point. She's, nobody can quite tell if she's a good person or a bad person. I mean, her intentions seem very mixed. And of course, with the giant cliffhanger of her knowing Big John that we do see at the end of the uh, finale, which once again, I will be discussing the cliffhanger later, but I just... I don't know. I mean, I have lots of questions about her. Um, I'm kind of, con- I'm going to kind of talk about her in a little bit more detail later because I have specific notes written down about her that are in relation to other characters, which we'll get into. But I'm definitely very intrigued by her character. I think she totally stirred the pot this season, 
And she, if she were to be some kind of antagonist or not, maybe like a semi-antagonist, I would actually love to see more of that. I would love to see um, her uh, dynamic and how she would play into the future season because I'm sure, I mean, everybody pretty much expects her to be in season three. So um, definitely still have a lot of questions um, and I'm very excited to dive more into the backstory with everything in the original Royal Merchant treasure and everything, because it's obvious that um, there was some kind of connection between her and Big John and that treasure, etc. So now let's talk about Cleo. So Cleo was obviously a part of Terrence's crew, and we thought that we had seen the last of her as well. I mean, it would have been weird, because out of Terrence, Stubbs, and Cleo, which were the three people that we met in the Bahamas that had a significant amount of screen time. She was the one that we delved into the most. They were showing a lot of her. Um, they really tried to emphasize later on that she and uh, Sarah kind of built this bond. So I was like, why are we gonna build this whole thing if Cleo's character ends right here? And sure enough, she shows up in the finale. She is um, working on this boat that Ward Cameron and Rafe and Rose and Wheezy and then the kidnapped Sarah are basically trying to escape in at the time. So she's working on that boat, and then John B., um, JJ, Pope, and Kiara are stowaways on this boat, and that's where they run into her. So I thought Cleo was a great addition this season. Um, I just, I thought that her, um, her personality was something that was very different, which I obviously liked to see. I think that Cleo would, I mean, she's obviously a pogue now, which I really liked um, because I just liked her a lot. I thought that she was going to be a great addition. I'm so glad that she's part of it now because I always really liked her. I'm really excited to see more of her and Sarah's friendship and their bond because they seemed to form a pretty strong one. And um, yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, obviously we don't, we still don't know too much about Cleo, but and besides the fact that she was, you know, um, from Nassau and then she um, was part of Terrence's crew, and she befriended John B. and Sarah, and now she's part of the Pogues. So that's pretty much all we know about her. We know she's pretty, she's a badass, she's very cool, um, she carries that knife around, and she's ready to fight, so she's very cool, and I'm really excited to see more of her character. But at this point, that's pretty much all we know about her, um, but yeah, so let's continue. All right, the last character I've listed here to discuss is Wheezy. I mean, I don't think I'm alone in saying this. What was, where was Wheezy this season? Like, I feel like the biggest hole of this season, plot hole, was Wheezy. I mean, she was obviously there. But half the time, when Ward and Sarah and Rafe were going through these things, and big things were happening, and Rose for that matter too, all these big events were happening and I was like where is Wheezy in all of this like they still have what is she like 14 or 15 um they still have this like kid at home who's I think she's 14 because I think Sarah's two years older than her but like what is going on she there is still so much that's happening I mean Wheezy okay so their father literally blows up on a boat and then Sarah is very obviously being kidnapped and then all of a sudden, after being blown up, her father is right in her face again. And she's all like, Sarah, we're going on a vacation. And I was like, wait, what? What Do you have no questions whatsoever? So I feel like 
Wheezy's character was the biggest plot hole of the season, and they just need to cover that a lot better because I have so many questions on Wheezy. Where was Wheezy? What was going on with her character? It just, to me, made no sense. But um, I hope that they cover some of those things later because I have a lot of questions about Wheezy, and I know a lot of other people do too. So now let's get to the part that I know a lot of people are really interested in, and that's ships. So I don't have too much to say about the ships this season, so we're just going to kind of touch on this briefly, but let's get into it. So let's talk about the main ship of the show, which is obviously John B. and Sarah. So I was pleasantly surprised to say, um, to even find out that I really, really liked John B. and Sarah this season. So last season, my relationship with this ship, um, I like slow burns. I mean, I really, really like seasons worth of buildup. I like it when it takes a long time for the couples to get together, um, I don't like it when things happen too fast. I mean, I I just want to see the angst and the buildup. John B and Sarah supposedly having to have been this um, very opposite in every way. You know, one is popular, one is not so popular, one's rich, one's poor, and the whole kook poke thing. Based on those dynamics as characters and their original relationship with each other, with John B. working on her father's boat and everything, you would think it would take a lot more for them to get together than just going to um, where, to UNC, like one little trip to UNC Chapel Hill to go get those books or whatever. Like You would think it needed way more than that for them to start expressing interest in each other. So definitely move too fast for me. And in season two, you would think that they were still moving fast for me because John B. and Sarah literally got married in season two. <laughs> Like, they got married, so you would think that um, I would have found that weird, but there was something more poetic about it this season. I thought it was so much more enjoyable. Even their whole marriage thing, I thought it was very cute. The whole reoccurring theme of the till death do us part, um, obviously. I thought that Chase and Madeline had so much better chemistry this season than they did last um, I don't know why I thought that, maybe just because of the way it built up, and I think the whole fugitives on the run thing was just a lot more of a serve, so right off the bat, I think starting quick, um, and typically I'm not a really big fan of the whole, um, always, I mean, there's exceptions to this, like, hello, <laughs> Nathan Haley from One Tree Hill, um, and there's a couple other examples of this, but there are some teenage marriages and shows and movies that I do like, but most of the time, with other ships, I'm not really a big fan of it. Not that it happens very often to begin with, but I was actually totally here for this. Um, I thought that it made sense why it happened. Obviously, they had been through a lot, and then they're still going through a lot, so for them to be like, why don't we just do this? I mean, it's getting married was the least big thing that was happening at this point. It was the least of their problems. Like, I thought it was kind of sweet, like it's just one good thing going for them. So I thought that they were a serve this season. So let's move on to, of course, the definite fan, you know, not necessarily the fan favorite, but the fan debate. And that is, of course, between JJ Pope and Giara. So I am so sorry to all the JJ Popes and all the Giaras out there because you were all robbed this season. I think both ships got complete crumbs. I don't think anybody really won. Like, I don't think JJ Popes or Giara's can walk away from this season saying, 
we won. I mean, if you're, if you're satisfied with the crumbs you got, then good, that's great. But, you know, I don't think anybody could really walk away from the season saying, yay, because, I don't know, like, it's just, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of room for the romance to happen between either of these ships. I feel like everybody's head was in a completely different place this season, which I guess brings me to Pope and Kiara. And I think that regardless of anybody's opinions on JJ and Pope and then JJ and Kiara, regardless of which ship that you ship, I think we can all agree that Pope and Kiara are definitely the worst ship out of these Pogue ships. Because what is that? What is that? I mean, there is absolutely no romantic chemistry there. Pope and Cleo had more chemistry in one, two scenes, two scenes that they have together. And literally, okay, so Pope and Cleo had more chemistry in literally like the two or three scenes that they had together than Pope and Kiara had in two seasons worth of content. I did not like that season two relationships wise, besides John B and Sarah focused primarily on Pope and Kiara, because obviously that's not a ship that I'm here for at all. However, I do understand why they did it, since obviously the the idea was introduced in season one, it wouldn't make sense for them to be like, okay, we're going to split this up immediately. They obviously had to get the storyline out, but I do think it's pretty much very fizzled at this point. So um, I'm excited to see kind of where that goes next, not between Pope and Kiara, but between them and other people. Um, I'm kind of excited to see the dynamic, regardless of ship, whether that's JJ and Pope, JJ and Kiara, uh, Pope and Cleo, whatever it is, I'm excited to see how they're kind of going to be with other characters because I think this whole Pope and Kiara thing is done and thank God for it because it was terrible um so I think that we actually can expect more ship related content next season Uh, I think this season was very action-packed and it was very intense um and very quick 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 very much more plot driven than it was character driven versus I feel like season one was more character driven and I think that the creators um like Joshua Pate and stuff were saying in an interview that season three will be more focused on romance they said if one thing to expect from season three that is romance because I also agree I think the teen drama aspect was definitely lost a little bit this season but it's definitely coming back this next season so do not fear whatever ship team you're on um hopefully you'll be satisfied with the next season so I want to quickly also mention two other dynamics that people talk about. Um, so I briefly touched on this one, so I'm just going to mention it only once. So Topper and Sarah, very weird. I think this is completely out of the question at this point. So <laughs> that's all I have to say on it. Um, so do I think next season that Topper and Sarah will still be a thing, like a dynamic? Um, I do still think that Topper will probably pine after her a little bit longer. Um, if Topper, they do plan to have him stick around and do... Like I said, I don't think this is going to happen, but if they do happen to have him become a pogue or something of that nature, if he is to get a love interest, I think it's going to be something com- someone completely different. I don't see it being Sarah anymore once he is able to move past her. Um, no, I don't see it being Kiara either because I know that there are some people who see that happening. I don't see that happening at all either. I don't really see him being into any of the pogues, so if anything, maybe somebody else, but I guess only time will tell. And now I want to talk about this Rafe and Kiara theory. So Rafe and Kiara, that is something that I had never thought about even once until um, kind of a few days ago, actually. 
all of a sudden, I started seeing these, like, edits on YouTube of Rafe and Kiara, and I don't even know how I feel about that. So I know there's a theory going around that Rafe and Kiara had this relationship um, in the past, like, before the Pogues. So, or not before the Pogues, but before season one. So I don't know if they would ever choose to do a storyline like that, because I just don't see, at this point, Rafe really being into any of this romance stuff but if they do it as a plot that was in the past I don't really know how I'd feel about it um well I do know how I'd feel about it I would actually be um very I would find it super interesting if they do decide to um kind of show that plot because the Pogues to this point we've seen that they're very honest with each other so if there was the secret that was kept that Kiara had a thing with Rafe of all people and I think that the dynamic it would come with with that being Sarah's brother and everything would be very interesting now this is not me shipping Rafe and Kiara by the way because Rafe needs serious therapy and I don't think he has the capacity right now to be in a emotional um any kind of emotional relationship so no I'm just talking about um the theory that goes around that they had a past but if they do decide to act on that, I think it would be kind of interesting to see how that would come. I don't know how they would be able to play it out because it still does seem a bit too far-fetched at this point. But who knows what they're going to do with that. So now um, I have some other notes that I want to talk about. Some of these, some of these I briefly touched on earlier, but I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more detail with them. So my first note, showering. Okay, so John B. and Sarah were dirty, completely dirty, and I was like, when did they have the time to shower when they got back? Like, you would think that they would have be completely, like, have these infections and things of that nature. Kiara was literally in the sewer. Like, I don't know if this sounds weird, but, like, she sh literally should have been more dirty. She was in the sewer, and she came out, and they just continued about their day. Like, I'm sorry, I would, I'm sure she would stink, and she wouldn't come out just being, like, mildly wet, like, it's the sewer, it's filled with trash, like, you would think she would be more dirty and would need to go take a shower, so I was just, the whole season I was sitting here just wondering, like, when are these people gonna shower, when do they shower, and do a bunch of them just not have a bunch of infections right now? So the next note I have is about JJ's cousin, I think his name was Ricky, um, the EMT, basically, so when Pope, um, has this I guess gets the the wasp stings or whatever. He was allergic to them. They find out. How did this EMT guy have the exact dosage for whatever medicine that Pope needed to recover just laying around his house? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's a thing that EMTs have, but I don't know. Like, he was able to get it so fast and it was, like, already there in the vaccine and just came running out with it and then gave it to him. So, I don't know. Like, it just seemed a little um, convenient, I guess. Um, but, I mean, I guess they didn't want to spend too long dealing with this storyline, like, they wanted to move on fast, so, I mean, I guess I see it from that point of view. So now let's talk about a question that a lot of people were talking about, school. Away. Oh, school. God, so many questions. When did they go to school? So, okay, so there was a line in one of the episodes where, um, they're like, I think Pope says to John B, maybe, he goes, oh, we have a geometry test in 30 minutes. Like, John B is an ex accused murderer. When is the time for tests, and how is that, like, anybody's priority right now? 
And he's using these notes in class. I'm like, when did you have time to take these notes? Um, I could be wrong. Those could have been like Pope's notes or something. But when did, I mean, I feel like school would have just started for them. I mean, if this were to have been taking place um, directly after season one, that would have literally been like one of the first few days of school. And there's still so much notes. Like John B. did not go to school. Pope, Kiara, and JJ, they went to the first day of school briefly and then just left. And we don't, and we do see them like at all hours of the day for the next couple episodes. So I don't see when they would have gone to school. So school this season just made no sense. I mean, it could have always been the weekend or something. They could have started school on like a Friday, but I don't know. It just, school to me made no sense this season. It didn't make sense when they went, how they got it. Why, I mean, is John B. even expected to be attending school right now? Like, I wouldn't think so, but I guess he is. So the next note I have is about Doc Marsh, like the guy, the doctor from the Bahamas, from um, Nassau. Like, he was so sketchy, and just everything about that scene was maximum stress. So for me, that was probably um, one of the most intense scenes, um, because I think that a lot of the way the scene was presented, I genuinely I think a lot of people thought that Sarah was going to die. I think this doctor was so sketchy, um, but it was a very intense scene, and I just wanted to note that, and definitely one of the most intense scenes for me. So I wanted kind of how we, um, so we touched on Kiara's parents, obviously. So let's quickly touch on the other parents. Oh, we also touched on John B's parents, and of course Sarah's parents. So let's just talk about JJ and Pope's parents. So... JJ having to see his um, father this season was absolutely heartbreaking to watch. I didn't think that we would have to deal with this. Obviously, JJ went through a lot last season, and I didn't want him to have had to um, see him this season and have to deal with that. But the way that Kiara kind of like went off on him a little bit in the car, I was very happy with that, obviously, because kind of put him in his place. He's a nasty man, definitely one of the worst parents on the show just like Ward Cameron, worst character, like, we don't like that, so it absolutely broke my heart that JJ had to see him, but more importantly, like, the real point I want to make about parents is, let's talk about Pope's dad, so Hayward, in season one, Pope's dad always seemed to be the one that was the good parent, I mean, the good parent, you know, to a certain degree, he was the only one that seemed to care. I mean, Kiara's parents also cared, but we only got to see that later in the season, but from the beginning, Pope's before even the treasure stuff started to happen, we saw that Pope's parents, or Pope's dad, was, from the beginning, even when Pope was just going to hang out with his friends, was like, be home at this time, stop doing that, do this, do that. Like, he was really acting like a parent, and he just felt so much more relevant in his child's life in season one. And then this season, when the stakes got higher, even like he even encouraged Pope a little bit to go after it and it seemed a little bit inconsistent with his character especially after season one um so I don't know like I I just wanted to um make that um to point that out because I was I was a little bit confused with some of Pope's dad's um like Hayward's actions this season so let's talk about the Charleston scene um <laughs> this scene was for me, the best scene, this best scene of this season, it was so wholesome. The scene where um, John B and Sarah run into JJ Pope and Key, and they all see each other, and they're both running from different people at this point, and they all just like 
freak out. I just thought that, like, it looked so beautifully just genuine. It was such a beautiful, beautiful scene, and it was so cute to see them all reunited again, and it made our hearts so happy that they just all got to see each other, and obviously they were all back together again, and it was like, the Pogues are back, and just they rode off together, and it was my favorite scene. I mean, it was a little bit unrealistic, like, Charleston is a very, there's a lot, is it high population, and they happen to run into each other, but for film, or, you know, TV purposes, cinematography purposes, I thought it was a really good scene. Let's, so, and the, probably the most confusing part of the show to me, um, kind of up there with school and wheezy, was the concept of time. So JJ and John B, while they're in the car in that one scene, JJ says to John B, like, something like, remember when life was simple, and John B replies with, yeah, like, seven days ago. And I don't know if that was just him being sarcastic or just funny, but I started to think about the timeline of the show, and everything that does happen day after day after day, which I was, like, really thinking about it, which would mean that seasons one and two took place around ten days total, which is absolutely insane i mean these literal children must be tired and this kind of puts the school thing into more perspective too like wh- how is this all happening like this i mean it's insane i just i think that um the concept of time is crazy because so much has happened i mean it's not totally unbelievable because we do kind of see that they're going through a lot every single day but sitting back and just kind of like taking it in it's really weird so I think if anything the most confusing part of the show like I said along with school and wheezy is the concept of time so a, something that I saw a lot of people point out was Sarah running around <laughs> everywhere um that is something I noticed too I was like this girl's running around everywhere with um you know she's literally just been shot and of course while I do see the flaws in that I don't know, I chose, I really didn't see that to be as pressing of a plot hole to me than the other things that happened, because I was kind of like, I kind of just let it go, I was like, it's the adrenaline, she has no other choice, she has to run, I was, I just kind of let go of it. So, we've made it here. Let's talk about that cliffhanger. Alright, so I was Okay, before we get to the big, big cliffhanger, let's just talk about, so the Pogues, they are able to escape the boat, right, and they end up on a deserted island. So this is something that I'm actually really excited to see, because we have seen the Pogues go through hell and back, like, this these past two seasons, so I'm so excited for season three for them to maybe hopefully finally get a break, where they can just chill, and maybe this will kind of open up the same way season one opened up, like, Hopefully we just get to see them like surfing waves and, you know, cooking dinner and stuff, just obviously for a little bit and just kind of see them be at peace and finally get those friendship and just cute moments that we kind of lacked a bit this season. Now, I'm not really complaining about that because I do know that they're going to kind of bring back some of those teen drama aspects in season three because season two was definitely more plot driven, which I personally liked, but I am excited to see them finally get a break and um, just for those friendships to kind of really show through again so now for the giant giant cliffhanger john b's dad is alive 
so I've actually seen a lot of theories circling this. Um, a lot of people, I mean, I, when I saw it, was just shocked. And then some people were saying that Carla Limbry, who was also in the scene, looked a bit younger in that scene. So some people are thinking that it could be a flashback. But I don't know. I feel like that would be such a misleading um, cliffhanger. I mean, I would probably be very disappointed if that was it. But however, that could still, even if it was a flashback, it still could be a pretty good cliffhanger because it just shows there's a connection between Big John and uh, Carla Limbry. But either way, I thought the cliffhanger was insane. I mean, I'm not surprised with the show that they left it off like that. Last season was a crazy cliffhanger as well. But I mean, this just makes it all the more clear that we will hopefully get a season three, which we all know we will. And just for them to kind of get into that, because I have way too many questions already. Um, I'm sure most people do, so can't wait for them to get into that. So let's just talk about some of these predictions. Um, the only two that I really wanted to talk about, because I kind of covered covered some of the other predictions whilst talking about um, the characters in the ships and uh, my notes, but the only two that I didn't cover were these two. So the first one being the JJ and Sarah sibling theory. So this has been a theory that has been circling around since season one. Um, I definitely kind of want to put a <laughs> stop in this theory because I don't see any way how this could have possibly happened. Um, they are in the same grade, I believe, so they, you know, that would have been, have to have been pretty close, or some people are going with the whole, they're twins. Um, I really don't know how I would feel about that, um, or I didn't, actually, if they, if they somehow found a way to make this make sense, I would probably actually like it, because I have been waiting for a JJ and Sarah, specifically a dynamic between them, and if they were siblings, that would be so fun, but most of the reasoning that people have for this is just that they think that JJ and Sarah have a lot of um, similarities and in, you know, in hair color and stuff, just the fact that they're both blonde. So I don't really see where this theory exactly comes from. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. However, at the same time, if they found a way to do it, I think it would be interesting because obviously if they do write this they're going to put a lot of time and thought into how it would make sense. But at this point in the story, I don't see it making any sense. So the other theory, this is the big theory, and this is Carla Limbry being either um, John B., JJ, or Sarah Rafen Weezy's mother. So I'm going to kind of go one by one. So Carla Limbry being JJ's mother, I'm going to start there. Um, once again, this one kind of came out of the fact that they're both blonde and we don't know anything much about um, JJ's mother. I don't really see this one being the case at all. Um... So let's move on. And then, as for her being Sarah Rafe and Wheezy's mother, this is another thing I don't see. Um, maybe this is how people are going to try to connect the whole... Because let's say Carla Limbry was Sarah Rafe and Wheezy's mom, and also JJ's mom, then I guess that kind of does your whole JJ and Sarah half-sibling theory. But I just, I don't see this either. Because um, everything that we know about um, their mother... Carl, or their mother leaving Ward was that it was around the time Wheezy was, I guess, was a certain age. And I believe that Rafe would have had to have been around 10 or 11 at this point. So if Carla Limbry were his mother, he would recognize her. There's no way that he wouldn't. So there's no way he would have just not been phased at all looking at her. I think out of all of these theories circling around, if Carla Limbry had to be anyone's mother, it would make the most sense for her to be John B's mom. 
at this point, I still think there's a lot of question that questions that need to be answered for me to get behind this theory. If anything, it would have to be John B's mom. But still at that, I just think that Carla Limbry would have been a lot more phased if she had seen one of her children. So John B's still the only one I can semi-see, but I'm very excited. Um, and I think that this theory has gotten pretty big at this point that um, it might actually kind of have some truth to it. So... I'm very excited to see that. So my overall thoughts of the season. My biggest complaint about this season was what it did to the last season. So in season one, they have this massive amount of this gold with the little wheat symbol, but it is made irrelevant because of the key and the golden cross and all the season two mystery it's shown as way more valuable. Now, I get it, it's a treasure hunt show, so they just have to continuously make these things bigger, but I wish there was more of a connection between it, because this was the whole plot of season one, and it, you know, I mean, I don't mind the stakes getting higher, and the value of what they could possibly find getting higher and higher, of course, that's what makes it more interesting, but it is a little bit like, you know, it kind of sucks, just because we've been, (laughs) obviously, um, We've been watching season one with this being the primary goal. So the fact that everything just kind of got thrown out a little bit, um, it just kind of makes season one, the treasure in that seem a little bit irrelevant. I wish that there was a better connection between the season one and season two treasure, but I think there will be one hopefully a little bit stronger between the season two and three treasure since they don't actually officially have the Golden Cross. So I think that that will make... Um, season three have a better connection to season two but then again they also didn't have the gold from season one in the beginning of season two either so it could just be something they try to resolve in the first few episodes and then move on to something else but only time will tell hopefully there'll be more of a connection between all of these things because that was the biggest thing for me um I already mentioned this one but I'm excited to see um some of that drama factor come back in season three that was lacking in season two although I didn't mind that it was lacking a bit because I thought that season two was amazing as it was I thought that the action-packed um everything made it more intense the very beginning I thought season one took a little bit longer to develop into the plot because there was only little bits and clues in the first few episodes of season one um before it really got into the plot and season two started right off the bat which I really liked um and season one of course was still very introductory and now we know all the people so I'm excited to see season three kind of balance both of these things well because like I mentioned they're on the island so obviously we're gonna get some of these more teen drama-ish moments but we're still in the middle of this very big mystery so I think it'll be a better balance of the two so I'm probably anticipating season three even more than I was anticipating season two because I kind of see the direction of the plot a little bit better um something else I wanted to mention oh this was pretty much the last thing I wanted to mention it was the acting so I think if anybody um Drew who played Rafe and Madeline who played um Sarah acted down this season I mean nobody was on their level it was insane so Rafe of course we knew that Drew was going to be a great actor he had to play this crazy character who's going through so many emotions and I think that he portrayed that so well it was excellent I mean every time he was on the screen I just I just want him to win awards for this performance like it was so good he fully became the character and I just thought his acting was 
completely impeccable amazing and Madeline Klein that didn't surprise me at all because she was my favorite actress from the first season um probably one of my favorite actress from the first season if I remember correctly but um I thought her acting this season was amazing especially the scene where um Ward uh quote-unquote blew up uh she everything about her emotions in those scenes and the way in the next episode after that she was um kind of dealing with that internal conflict I just thought her acting was so good I mean it was amazing amazing next level Madeline Klein's definitely going to go on to do big things as well I mean it was incredible I thought it was amazing so lastly my overall comparison of this season to the last this season was definitely better than the last in my opinion um I it was more up my lane just in the way that we kind of got rid of the introduction period and got right into it which as I mentioned I really like it better that way so um I was just more into it in that way I was more invested in the plot as well as the characters um while I do feel like there were some plot holes which I talked about as well as some aspects that did go missing this season um I mean they'll all return next season of course so I predict that season three will probably be my favorite season based on the place that we're at right now but this season to me was very very good um it was very engaging and I am very excited for the next season which we know we're getting yes I'm manifesting it which is why I keep saying it multiple times season three of Outer Banks is definitely coming guys it has to well, anyways, that's pretty much all of my thoughts on season two of Outer Banks. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this. I think that this episode is almost an hour. So if you listen to the whole thing, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, and uh, I hope you had a good time kind of just um, hearing my thoughts. And that's pretty much all for now. So until next time, I will see you in my next episode next week. So until then, bye!